Hi, welcome to the Art and Science of Learning, the podcast that digs deeper in how we learn so that in today's accelerated world, we can learn better and enjoy it more. I'm your host, learning specialist, Dr. Kinga Petrovai. Every week, I discuss aspects of learning with academics, practitioners, and individuals with unique learning journeys to inform and inspire how you design learning into work and life. Hello and welcome to the seventh and final episode in this special series titled Reinventing Hybrid Learning Events, which we have done in collaboration with the Learning Ideas Conference. In this episode, we reflect back on the experience and the many lessons learned in creating the first truly hybrid event for the Learning Ideas Conference, which took place last year. With exactly three weeks until the Learning Ideas Conference of 2023, which is starting on June 14th in New York and online, this is a perfect time to reflect back on what were the lessons learned in creating that hybrid event last year. Creating a successful hybrid class, conference or meeting requires many new skills. And that is exactly why this special series in collaboration with the Learning Ideas Conference took place. We explored in this series the different aspects of how to create a successful hybrid event. In the months leading up to the conference last year, we followed the journey of how the Learning Ideas Conference prepares a new hybrid experience. The Learning Ideas Conference is dedicated to reimagining education and workplace learning, using new technologies to provide us with new opportunities. With the goal of always innovating, in 2002, the Learning Ideas Conference created new approaches to hybrid experience and explored what collaboration and networking could be in a hybrid environment. In this special series of the Art and Science of Learning podcast, we followed the progress of creating this hybrid experience, discussed the best practices in the field, and shared useful tips in creating your own hybrid event. I'm very happy to have back on the podcast the founder of the Learning Ideas Conference to reflect back on this experience. Dr. David Goralnik is president and CEO of Kaleidoscope Learning and a consultant specialized in the use of technology to improve job performance. He is also the current president of the International E-Learning Association, founder and chair of the Learning Ideas Conference, and the adjunct professor at Columbia University. David focuses his deep knowledge of the industry to reimagine learning in higher education and the workplace. Thank you so much, David, for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back. Now, this is the seventh in this special series of looking at how you and your team have created hybrid events. So obviously online in the past, Uh, last year it was fully hybrid. And then we're coming up very quickly onto the conference in June, where again, it will be a hybrid event. So um, I'm really happy that we could talk about looking back, reflecting back on how things went last year and what you're doing, what you're doing this year. First of all, having had time to reflect almost a year, how do you feel about putting on a hybrid event? Uh, well, we certainly enjoyed the event and enjoyed, I think, the way a lot of things worked out and also lessons to learn. Team certainly defined that it was a lot of work. So we'd done, you know, we'd done an in-person conference for, oh, I think, 13, yeah, 13 years before suddenly being online for two years and then being hybrid since then. And so there are a lot of things about doing a hybrid event that are, no matter what you do, more work. It's not quite having twice the work, but it, it's a lot. It requires more staff and more time and, and more setup. So there was a lot in there, but we really enjoyed doing it. We enjoyed being able to create an event that would be more inclusive and allow more people to participate. And I think that's really 
you know, the goal moving forward is to continue to make it more and more um, one single unified event so everybody gets as close to the same experience as they can, given that a lot of people just simply can't attend for, you know, for logistical financial reasons and otherwise. And we want to make sure that they, they, they get the most out of it. Absolutely. And I think what's interesting about hybrid events and hybrid learning experiences is that especially during the pandemic, when everything went online, people saw the benefits of going online. And then as we were coming out of that, they saw the potential of wouldn't it be great to always have hybrid because you can have so many advantages of having people online and of course the advantages of people in person and how can those two worlds mix. But once reality kind of hits, people realize that's a lot harder than online events and it's a lot harder than in-person events and it's often more costly and it takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of skill to be able to bring those audiences together and make it a success. You've been in the world of learning technologies for a long time and brought a lot of that expertise to it. What what did you find that was surprising to you in creating this hybrid? Yeah, no, that's a great question. You know, one one of the biggest challenges, I think maybe the one that was most surprising was how we could try to get people to interact more, you know, with the, the in-person group along with the the people who are attending online and try to make it more, more universal, more like one set of interactions. And so one of the things that we tried that we're really optimistic about was we worked things out with a, a third-party vendor so that we had a way for, and, and doing some internal programming too, so that we could allow in-person uh, attendees to participate in the chat. So there's a talk going on, there's an online talk, it's, you know, there's a talk whether it's online or in-person, but an in-person talk, for example, it's being broadcast, everybody's watching online, everybody's watching in person. The people in the room could also participate in the chat and not have to you know, do this with their phone, not have to see the video. Like we had a really nice, simple way you click, you know, if you just want to be in the chat, click here. That worked technically really, really, really well. The surprise, I think, and there was a lot of enthusiasm. So when we right, talked about this with people, I think the the people, the in-person attendees thought like, this is, yeah, I really like this. This is going to be really something I'm going to want to do. Uh, the surprise in, in a sense um, was that really in practice, people didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> that I think everybody had the best of intentions once the show was going, everybody kind of just, you know, you have a question, you ask the question, you raise your hand, or you ask it out loud, want to have a conversation, you turn to the person next to you. And so there was, we didn't really get nearly, I mean, really get that much out of that yet, as far as interacting with you know, the two groups interacting. And I think it was just, you know, the natural human in- inclination to talk rather than type, even in this day and age and, you know, being in a room. And the other thing that's interesting, and we'll see this coming year if, if it's different, but there also was an, what seemed to be an extra level of enthusiasm for the in-person group for in-person because it was the first one back for most people. Like it Definitely. felt as if almost everybody there was attending their first in-person event since, since you know, before the pandemic. Yeah, so that's so being there. There was definitely a could feel the buzz in the room and people were very happy and just really excited to be back in person for sure. And having those conversations, it was great. Yeah, no, thanks. That's, that's what it, it did feel like. And I think, you know, one side effect of that might've been just an extra level of like just getting immersed in that world and kind of forgetting about the online world. So we may be able to do things a little bit differently in that way this year, but we also may see people being maybe a little more open to remembering to try to participate online a little bit now that in-person events aren't, aren't you know, such a novelty again anymore. 
So do you think, because I mean, there's always, especially in the learning technologies world, there's always this enthusiasm of having uh, two channels, the in-person talk, while at the same time, people can be having another conversation online and these multi-channel conversations can be happening at simultaneously. But in reality, I mean, it happens with some groups, but in reality, it often doesn't happen. What do you think are the benefits that people are maybe not uh, realizing or or maybe some of the ways to enable people to do that so that they can still pay attention? Yeah, no, that's a, that's a really good question. And it's, you know, it's certainly a challenge in terms of just focus and, and all of that as well, right? Like if someone's giving mm-hmm. a talk, I mean, mostly you're focused on the talk itself. So I right. think, you know, in terms of, you know, we certainly encourage people to ask questions, you know, as they come up and we'll try to answer them as, you know, the, the speakers will try to answer them as soon as they can. I think that... That one is interesting because I think that one, in our experience last year and what I've seen elsewhere, seems to work better online, right? So in other words, people are more free, feel more free to interrupt by typing because you're not fully interrupting, right? Like you're mm-hmm. sort of, you know, you're queuing up an interruption. Somebody yeah. may or may not, you know, do anything about it. But in person, sometimes there are clarification questions. People tend to be and even our audience, which is a pretty um, pretty vocal and comfortable group, I think, uh, you know, as, as the conferences go, yes. you know, there are times where people hesitate a little bit. So I think that's one thing to keep in mind a little bit. You know, the multi-channels, otherwise, I mean, I think personally prefer to try to come up with more ways for people to talk before and after than during. And that's, I think, a little bit of a challenge because I think you also see people who are in the online audience might see someone's name, that a friend that they haven't seen in a while or a colleague they haven't talked to in a while, and they'll kind of start chatting briefly and then they're missing the talk. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to be paying attention to every second of everything. This is, these are huge conferences with, with you know, 100 talks, but we'd like to provide more space for that in other ways. And that's something that we're still trying to think about so that people have the opportunity to reconnect and that it's not as much multi-channel at the same time, that the, any use of multi-channel is really a little bit built around the event that's going on rather than, you know, moving away. And, and obviously people are people are people and, you know, you see your friends, you want to say hello and all that kind of thing. But if we can, you know, a lot of really good connections come out of the informal conversations. So I think it works the other way too, that the informal conversations then get constrained if you start to have it in the middle of a talk. Right. So, you know, you kind of like turn back. So, yeah, so we're, we're still trying to figure out the best ways, especially for the, the online participants to let people have space to talk more freely and more openly, but, but in a place where they'd show up and, and, and do it because you also have other, you know, other things taking your time when you're at home or at work and participating remotely. Yes, it is more distracting when you are not physically at the conference. There's a lot more happening around you. But at the same time, what you were mentioning about questions being more direct and, and and I think often shorter when it's in the chat. And what you did really well last year was that you had moderators. It wasn't just the person who was moderating the, the, the talk, but you also had a technical moderator who really monitored the chat and, and interacted, which is so important to have because, which of course adds to the, the, the complexity and the cost of these types of events is because you really can't have one person be in the room on the chat all the time. Yeah, that's a really big, that's a really good point. And I think that you know, when we talk about hybrid learning versus hybrid conferences, that may be something that a conference can provide a little bit better than you can, like in a class, like when I mm-hmm. teach my class at Columbia, having an on, a live online session, it's really just, it, it's almost invariably just going to be me, even when I've had, you know, I sometimes have a course assistant who can help, but they're they're not in the same place physically that, that I am. And it's easier for me to watch for her than it is to watch for everybody, but it's not that much easier, really. In the conference setup for the in-person presenters, it's really nice, I think, especially to have the the person monitoring, as you mentioned, we have a technical person monitoring the chat and also just making sure everything's working smoothly and a session chair who's introducing the speakers and handling the Q&A um, for the speakers as well, who's from the field and can kind of help 
that. And I think with a combination of, of that group of people makes it a lot easier for the speakers to focus on, you know, their main, you know, their main area and their main presentation and not as much on the, on the outside logistics. Yeah, absolutely. And, and what did you learn from the practice of how this comes together in real life? And especially when people are excited to be there in person, what did you learn about some of the good strategies to use on bringing people together from online and in person, as you said, not necessarily during the talk, but having those informal connections and ways of uh, talking to people? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's been, that's been a challenge. Um, I think we did uh, reasonably well with people staying on the chat after some of the talks and chatting. So there was sort of leaving the room open, right? You know, and, and that was helpful. So leaving the, the talk open. So, you know, it might not be in the recorded versions. Hopefully it was edited out, but letting people continue in the chat after was something that, that people seemed to want and people took advantage of. And that was, I think, maybe the best way that we were able to use the software to let people online just kind of stay in touch with each other a little bit. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the in-person participants didn't, you know, even at the end, didn't get into that. So maybe that argues for suggesting at the end of a talk, it, you know, as a session ends or a full session of talks ends, you know, suggest that the people in person might want to, you know, still connect mm-hmm. and do that. We had a couple other things set up for video-based communication among attendees, whether in person and remotely. So this has really just been the chat. We did not find people using those. I think that's an area to continue to really explore and try to figure out what we want to do. You know, we, you know, we've certainly found in even in other events that when there's a reason to go, people often like it. Like, you know, if you have a breakout group and you have 10 people talking or six people talking, there's, there's often something good about that. When there's not a full incentive to do that, it's been a little bit harder, especially for the purposes of making new connections. Like you might go a little bit more with where someone you know already is, but maybe not. So, you know, where to structure that in has been hard. We we thought about trying to provide more structured sort of video-based events and, and sessions this year, and there's sort of just not room. You know, we just have a full three days with the, with the space that we have and the time that we have and hadn't figured out where else that can go. Um, one other thing that we did do to keep the conversations going over time was add an, a different event in the winter so that people don't wait a year between conferences. So that was a, yeah. a different kind of approach, but it, it addressed a number of things. And, and I think that went went well and that did help a little bit with um, sort of this community building uh, aspect that we're talking about here. Absolutely. And that was a great a great day of really interesting speakers and, and online conversations. Tell me more about that. Describe how, from your experience, what that looked like. I mean, from my experience, it was a lot of great talks. And again, it was good to connect because from one year to the next, you are building a community. And when you go to the conference, there's a very palpable community there where people know each other and of course, meeting new people as well. But you also see familiar faces, which is really great. But having that in-between connection as well was very nice this year. But what was your experience in bringing that together? Yeah, no, I think I think we we, we had the goals that I think that you're talking about. So we, um, a couple of things. One was, you know, mostly the idea that, yeah, it's, it's a year between conferences. People would like some more ways to communicate. There are, you know, there's a LinkedIn group. There's some things, but those are, you know, easy, easy for people to kind of forget about, right? Mm-hmm. So we did a couple of things. So one is is adding this conference. The other related piece was um, continuing to increase our social media presence. So we have a really great social media marketing person who's been the lead on that along with our conference manager. And they've just both um, done so much to make that happen so that there's really just a regular presence online, reminding people what's going on. There's some content that comes out. There are some blog posts that come out. There's, you know, there's sort of a lot there. And then by adding this event in in February, so kind of exactly midway, but as close as kind of made made sense with the with the June conference, we're able to get a you know a mix of some of the same people and some you know some people who 
hadn't come to our conferences before. It was in one day, one talk at a time on a, th- a particular theme. So we focused this on creativity and learning design and had people talking about various aspects of it. A lot were, you know, semi-technical, looking at ways to use VR and AR and things like that. Some were, you know, about gender of AI, some were about different approaches and, and creativity in other senses, video, um, you know, creativity and learning methods, all of those. So it really came out of a lot of different aspects, both corporate and academic. We were able to get a really nice program of speakers together and then that gave people a you know a reason to to go talk with each other. It gave them a, a place to communicate, and that because it's only one day and one stream of talks, right? It's like a, it's like a TV broadcast, you know, than a, as opposed to a, a bigger conference with parallel sessions as we have in June. We had a little bit more space for people to talk. I think you know after the talks, we had breaks between all the talks. We kind of specifically tried to tailor everything to be about a thirty-minute talk and fifteen minutes for Q and A. And you know sometimes the speakers could kind of take the questions as they went, but just to try to increase opportunities for interaction. It was sort of very much built around trying to facilitate that. And then during the breaks, everything was, you know, was open. So people could chat as they liked and people could connect with each other and, you know, and maybe take it, I won't say offline since we're already online, but to another medium, maybe they would then move on to WhatsApp or, you know, Zoom or a call or whatever it is, depending on, on who they are, where they are. So, you know, our goal was to try to provide something else and kind of maintain and and, and foster the community. And it, it did seem to have a lot of those effects. That's great. Sometimes you have to think about these with the goal of what you want to achieve, which in this case, it was not only to develop and to get new ideas, but also to help people connect between the conferences and to keep that community going. And sometimes you do have to pare things down. You had one channel where you know people weren't skipping between channels. Everyone was experiencing the same thing. So they had something very common for everyone to, to talk about that I think does help. So more is not always better. Sometimes with the purpose in mind, it's good to have the same experience for everyone uh, from what I'm hearing that you're, you said. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that was a really nice thing to do between between conferences. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a exactly. lot of overlap between the people who are yeah. coming to the June conference and, and people who are able to attend the February conference. So what are you keeping and what are you changing or adding uh, in terms of the hybrid experience from what you did last year? And now you've built on that with the with the online uh, session in in February. So how are things going to be the same and different in terms of hybrid? Yeah, well, we are going to keep the chat. Uh, it's certainly the plan. The plan is to try to keep that and try to encourage that a little bit more so that people who are in person can, you know, the chat would be there, of course, for the virtual participants, but to encourage in-person people to, to chat a little bit more. Uh, probably the biggest change and, and one of the things that's probably the hardest for us last year is we didn't really have a great room set up for the streaming and the online talks. We just didn't have enough Room. So one of the things that we have used have done in structuring this conference as a, an inclusive, you know, event in person and it's remote and it's one conference, it's, you know, with, with two different media, is to have all in-person talks, of course, made available and streamed live to the remote participants and to have all online talks streamed at the venue, mm-hmm. right? So that if you're at the venue, you can watch an in-person talk. You can watch a, a stream talk and you can interact with any of those. So you can certainly mm-hmm. chat, but you can also, there's a microphone in the room, there's a facilitator, there's a technical person, there's a session chair, all the things that the in-person talks have so that there, you know, you can ask questions verbally. You'll see the person on the screen and you get, you know, much more close to an in-person experience. And then all the people given the online talks are a core part of the conference, right? So there's not 
a concern about the, you know, I've, I've kind of been at, at events where the online talks are a little bit separate and, and they almost get forgotten by the in-person right. attendees. Like you don't even know that they're there. Here you, you know that they're there because you will, they're not only are they in your program, but you're going to, you're going to walk by them. You know, you're going to exactly. walk by these big monitors with, with, with slides and faces on them and you're going to hear them. I think that's so important. I know we talked about that last year in one of the previous episodes, that it's so important to still if we're going to do online and in person, bring them together, it's not just bringing them together online, but it's also bringing them together in the physical world where, you know, you have a room, you have a screen, you have a moderator, uh, you can physically enter the room to watch the online talks, which I think is is really brilliant. Well, thanks. Yeah, I think this, that, I think that worked really well in a lot of ways. The challenge we faced was that it was hard. It was really hard to fit into the space that we that we had. And I think we didn't really know until it got a little closer exactly how the online in person, you know, number of talks was gonna you know, gonna shape up. And we didn't quite have the ideal room set up at the venue that we we've been using. And we had one large room that was divided into portions for the um, for the online talks. And I think sometimes that worked really really well. And sometimes what happened was. There just was too much sound overlap from one to the next. What we were able to get from the venue were panels to separate the, the room into sections, um, but they didn't. They weren't fully soundproof, and they weren't big enough to go all the way up to the to the top. So there was, depending on the particular talks, sometimes and more than we would like. Uh, what we'd like is zero. Too much sound overlap, and that was a, a bit of an issue. And there were there were times people go into a talk and feel like they couldn't hear it well enough because of the you know, the talk that was 10 feet away. What we are able to do as a change for this year was plan differently with our venue and have different rooms for the online stream. So those are going to each be in an enclosed room. So we're not going to have that sound issue. Also, no no traffic, no foot traffic back and forth. The other thing about a, a bigger room is there are only two entrances, but four talks, right? So you right. kind of get a few, a few more footsteps than you yes. might. And so we're going to be back really to more truer to what the original vision was that we're going to quite pull off last year. One mm -hmm. room per talk. It's an enclosed room. You go to the room and you see that talk and it might be a person at the front of the room and it might be a screen in front of the room, but either way, you know, we're not up to holograms yet, but you know, it's right. coming. Um, <laughs> it's uh, beyond our little bit out of budget right now, but, but, but um, we actually talked to people about that. I can tell you really I can tell you with certainty <laughs> that it is out of our, yes, there's out of anybody's budget, but it is not impossible. Possible, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yes. Um, yeah. I think, I think it's, I think it's in like the, you know, it's at least in the five figures per, per, you know, per talk oh range I think, for that one. Yeah, so it's always a balance um, between what, what's worth it and what's not. Exactly. Exactly. Probably so, in the near yeah, future. Would, exactly. I mean, I think, that, you know, a lot of times technologies, you know, technology changes quickly. Right. And so that's, you know, sometimes things that we think are, I don't know, I guess more often in terms of being mainstream use, it probably takes longer than we expect, but still, I mean, it seems like there, there is hope and there's, that's something that's, think already at a point where it's going to happen it's a matter of time which is a little bit different than yeah. you know can this happen it's just you know just a little bit too pricey to do right now mm. interesting and uh, and of course always the reality of what that actually looks like in real life as you were mentioning you know things as mundane as foot traffic and uh you know things like that really do do make a big impact when when you put something into reality what would be some of your top tips looking back for for anybody trying to organize hybrid and trying to struggle with this seems a very ideal situation has a very different uh, reality and and requires new skills what would be some of your tips for anyone trying to organize hybrid learning event yeah i mean i think one is certainly just to sort of always keep in mind that the you know the goal is and i think i think everyone who shares this goal of really trying to make 
the event, you know, available and accessible and uh, to, to everybody, you know, to mm-hmm. think of it as if it's going to be a single event, that's a hybrid, think of it as a single event, that's hybrid, not as two events. So I think the more, you know, more it's like that that philosophy infuses decisions, the better off you are. I, I think one of the other things is to really think through the technology options. We have a little bit of an advantage as a software company that we could build some parts and connect to some other parts. And so there's an event site that we, you know, that we built internally that lets people get to everything pretty quickly and easily. And we have control over it and all that. And, and they, there are off the shelf companies, you know, companies that offer off the shelf products that do that, that we had even tried one of the, one of the years before we were hybrid, but we tried for the online conference one year. And that to us, you know, had a lot of, it was a little bit hard to kind of get the experience that you want, right? They mm-hmm. kind of had all the pieces, but they also had other pieces and you didn't always get the experience that you want. Um, but then sometimes they did offer some, you know, some additional ways for people to connect that, you know, we might want to incorporate. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, I think one is, you know, one, so back to, you know, top tips really one is just look at it holistically. Uh, another is really think through the technology. And then the third is, you know, as much as you have the ability to, because it's always a, a budget and, and venue issue, you know, think through your space. And that was something that we've been able to do much more the second time through. Also, logistically, we had, you know, a little more flexibility this time. We were able to plan, you know, better plan a year out having been through it first. Yes. Um, you know, there was a time when we, we just weren't, for the first hybrid one, we weren't even sure what the venue would, you know, are they coming back? You know, there were a lot of questions, <laughs> uh, not that far away, you know, a little closer than we would have wanted about yeah. how things were going to work out. So I think, you know, think about it and kind of, as you were mentioning, for the in-person attendees, especially think about how it's in, you know, how, how is the space laid out so it feels like one event and how both of those go together, you know, the space and the and the technology go together to provide a, a, an experience that that works for everybody. And there are still a lot of pieces left, I think, to, to add and a lot more things we want to integrate over time, some this year and some in the future. But I think those are kind of the, the things, the things really to keep in mind. And mm-hmm. I think probably more in terms of just in terms of thinking about what the goals are, you know, in the technology vendor world out there, they're going to tell you, here are our features, here's what we can do. And if you as the conference organizer think about what you want to do, a lot of times you can accomplish it even with off-the-shelf products um, just by not necessarily using them the way that the salesperson says they're best used, but by thinking about what, what you want to happen. And I think that's the other thing to sort of, you know, feel comfortable remaining in control of the experience. And I think that's probably my other piece of advice for people, uh, especially working with uh, the tech vendors in the space. Oh, absolutely. That's really, really good advice because... I think sometimes people forget uh, getting caught up in the technology and the logistics and all of it. You forget about what is the purpose and what do I really want people to get out of it ultimately. And sometimes that you have to cut through the noise and really focus on that purpose and people's experiences, putting yourselves into all the different types of audiences, experience and frame of mind so that you can really make it a great event. So great advice. Thank you so much, David. And Very quickly, June is coming up and the conference this year is June 14th to the 16th. And of course, happening online, but also in person in New York at Columbia. Um, Can you tell me what people can expect this year coming to the conference or attending online? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So we're looking forward to the conference. We have four keynote speakers uh, coming from really different interesting perspectives in both the academic world and and the corporate world. we're really looking forward to that. For in-person attendees, there's social events with the, you know, with the coffee breaks and the lunches and conference drinks and the conference dinner, a lot of other things, things going on. For the virtual attendees, it's a really, really nice set of talks. We'll have the chat set up. We'll have our team available always for Zoom-based technical support too, if there's anything that you run into. So we'll do that as we did, as we did last year. So 
yeah, we're looking forward to the entire event, whichever modality you can attend. And one of the other nice things is once again, um, all talks will be recorded and we're trying to get those, you know, posted as, as quickly as they can get processed. So if you do miss a talk, you can at least see it fairly quickly, whether you're, whether you're watching virtually or not. You know, we had some people last year, and actually one of our keynote speakers last year was there on the Wednesday for his own talk and the Friday of the conference for a panel he was on. And on Thursday, he couldn't make it and he had family in town. Mm -hmm. And so what he did was he, you know, wasn't with his family all day. And so uh, interestingly, and this may, certainly made me happy, he chose to spend part of his morning watching on his phone in his hotel room because mm -hmm. um, it was a little bit too much to come over and then go back and, yeah. you know, only one guest up and whatever. So he watched some talks on his phone. So you can, you can also, people do come to New York and enjoy New York and explore New York and not everybody comes to every single session. And that's understandable, of course. But there are things you can do because it's a hybrid event to when you have a little bit of time, you might be able to catch something that you would otherwise have missed live mm -hmm. by watching it on your phone or you can watch the replay, so phone or laptop. So there's you can create your own hybrid experience to a degree as well, which is something that maybe I hadn't anticipated quite as much as it seemed to have happened last year. Yes, that is a it is a very, very good feature and it, it adds a lot. And it really did make it a, a phenomenal event to bring together the online and in person and to continue that. Uh, but also thank you so much for doing these this special series and helping others understand journey and the challenges in creating a good hybrid event. And of course, in the show notes, there are the links to the other six episodes in which we went through this experience with you and your team as you were developing it last year. I very much look forward to the Learning Ideas Conference this June and seeing you in person and online. The link again is in the show notes on how people can register for both online and in person for June 14th to the 16th. Thank you very much, David. Thanks so much. It was great talking with you about this as always. Thank you. See you soon. <laughs>